Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we zochet to be learning Daf Kuf Yud Dalit in Maseches Psachim. This is the meat of Arve Psachim. We're starting with the first kos, first of the Dalit kosos, and we're in the Mishnah Mazgulo Kos Rishon. So here we go. Says the Mishnah Mazgulo Kos Rishon. They poured for him who's him, Andrew. He's conducting the seder. So they pour for Andrew, and we see here, good morning. We see here the minhag that has developed of everybody pouring for someone else. Mazgulo, right? Mm-hmm. It's alluded to here that somebody else, everyone is pouring for each other because it's a sign of cheres. Many of these things that we're going to be doing here is going to be signs of cheres. So they poured for him the first cup. So this is interesting. It's a machlokas that would apply uh, to any Kiddush, really. Right? It's not exclusive to, to Psachim. Right? Um, in other, as, as, um, as is indicated by the Mepharshim over here, so let's see exactly what would be, what would be the story. The, what would be the machlokas? So first of all, again, just to line up the shitas. According to Basil, that's what we're used to. Basil will say, Right? That we say the bar gafen first. According to Beit Shama, we say that whole nusach first, and then at the end, So we have many cases, um, in most, of the time when we make Kiddush, we make the Bar Pir Gofen first because we hold like, in fact, Beis Hillel. But what would be the reasoning to say the, kid, the Bar Pir Gofen afterwards? So the Gemara analyzes it as follows. Tana Rabbanon. Dram Shabain Beit Shaman Beis Hillel Besuda. Okay. These are the matters of dispute. So as we, as we indicated, this is not, this is a Suda question, right? And, right, this has to do, there are many other such related Suda questions uh, that Shammai and Beis Hillel argue in Maseches Brachos, but this idea of the Kiddush Hayom versus the Bari Pir is what we're highlighting now simply because we're discussing the Kost Rishon of the Kiddush in, at the Pesach Seder. So, Beit Shammai, so, Dvarim Shabim Beit Shammai Beis Hillel Besuda, Beit Shammai Omri Mevarach Al Hayom, Be'achakach Mevarach Al Hayayin, as the Mishnah indicated, the first you say, Right, the Birchas Hayom, and then after that, you say Bar Gafen. And what is the reason? Two reasons. Look carefully. Okay, so reason number one is because if it weren't for the fact that it was, let's say, Pesach night, then we wouldn't be drinking this Yain. We wouldn't be saying this Bar Gafen. Okay. And therefore, the Bori Priya Gafen is really here because of the fact that it's Yontiv. And because of that, we should say, we should acknowledge Yontiv first. That's essentially, right, what is going on. Now, we kept saying, and Andrew keeps pointing out, that they were drinking wine like water in those days. So what do you mean that the wine wouldn't be here if it weren't for the fact that it's Yontiv? They were drinking wine all the time. Uh-huh. So, so Rashi says in Brachos, and the Rashbam explains that that may be true in the middle of the meal. However, in the beginning of the meal, 
to sort of frame the meal by having a pre-meal wine ceremony, that is all, that was unique to Shabbos and Yantiv, even in those days. Okay. So, be that as it may, it's the fact that it's Shabbos and Yantiv that's causing us to have yain at this time, at this point in the meal, meaning before the meal. Okay. So now, that's reason number one. Reason number two, Ukvar shayom yain lova. That's reason number two of Beit Shammai. That the day has already turned into yantiv. And, there, and therefore, you come home from shul, right? You don't have the kiddush cup in front of you yet, but already on your walk home from shul, it's already been yantiv. It's already been yantiv. So which came first? The coast of yain or the yantiv? Well, by definition, the yantiv came in first. Unless you put out the coast, unless you were home before Yontif came, which never happens, right? Because you're, by definition, in shul, so to speak, right? When Yontif comes, because you're davening Ma'ariv. So, by definition, the Yontif is coming before you actually stand there holding the cup of wine. And therefore, it's simply a question of which comes first, Yontif or Yain. And if, since Yontif is coming first, and since Yontif is the whole reason why you're having the Yain, Bichamai says, you acknowledge the Yontif first, and then you say, Bore Priyagafen. Now, what would be the reason of Bishil? That sounds very compelling, don't you think, Kalman? We should probably say Birch Hasayom before Bari Pira Guffin. Bechamai has me convinced. Bechamai, in general, was what? Chadidat Fei. Had excellent Svaras. It was Bishilel that we'll see in the Gemara that won out because of the fact that that's, that's the halacha because we go Basar Rov. They were the majority. Um, but we'll see. Simon Wolf quotes in its sieve, I believe, that, uh, that gives more insight, uh, perhaps than we even, uh, the Gemara intends to give into this Machlokas Becham Vesila. Okay. So Bechamai says you say the Yom first. What does Becham say? So that's what we do. We say, and then we say, right, and we say that after. So, what's the reason? Two reasons. Uh, just like Beit Shammai. Basil too has two reasons. Reason number one says the Gemara. So, okay. He says to Beit Shammai, Beit Shammai, you'll tell me that you're only making Kiddush. Because it's Yontiv, and therefore I should say Yontiv first. So I'll tell you that I'm only able to make Kiddush for Yontiv because I have wine. And therefore I should say wine first. Those two reasonings kind of cancel each other out. It's like a zero-sum game. You both, you can't have Kiddush without the Yain. You can't have Yain without the Kiddush. So you wouldn't have Yain if there weren't Kiddush, and you wouldn't be able to make Kiddush without Yain. Those two reasons kind of cancel each other out, in a sense. Dover Acher... Okay, and the second reason, Okay, well, certainly you say more commonly than you'll say whatever kiddush you're saying, right? And therefore, the famous halacha that whenever you have something more frequent than something else, you do the something that's more frequent first. This is a concept that is... Uh, the the uh, locus classicus, as Rabbi Rosenzweig would say, the main source material is in Zvachim, but we're, we've already applied it in Masechus Brachos and elsewhere. We know that we do the more common thing first. Fine. And the, and the Gemara concludes, that we hold like Beis Hillel. By the way, what Haftorah did we read this past Shabbos? Um, of, part, of Parshas HaChodesh, a special one of the Dalad Parshios. 
I, it was Erev Rosh Chodesh. It was Shabbos Erev Rosh Chodesh. Why didn't we read Machar Chodesh? Don't we read Machar Chodesh more frequently than Parshas Chodesh? Would you not apply Tadir V'She'eno Tadir Tadir Kodem? So the answer is no. Tadir V'She'eno Tadir Tadir Kodem only applies when you do both. If you decide, if you can only do one, that's a whole different cheshman. It's only a question of priority when you're doing both. Just an aside. Okay. So, uh, so in this case, we are obviously doing both, and therefore, when you do both, it's common. Um, it, it, the uh, when you do both, the parameters are that you should do the more common one first. What does Beit Shammai do with Tadir Sheino Tadir Tadir Kodem? So, then, so Yain is certainly more Tadir than than the than the Kiddush Hayom of of Pesach, perhaps. In other words, Kiddush Hayom, the Yom is unique. So yain you can make you make on Shabbos also and on other yom tovim. That's what I would assume. Such that even on Shabbos, right, yain would still be more tadir than the kiddush of Shabbos because you also make it on yontiv. That's what I assume it means, right? Aside from the fact that you also can make it on Tuesday in July. Yeah, but on Tuesday in July, usually we don't apply tadir and tadir because that's not like a mitzvah. Because then it's just a berachas anenin. Yeah. But maybe we could say the berachas anenin. It's a good question. Common's asking the berachas anenin. Really doesn't, isn't really in the count of Tadir Vashayno, Tadir, Tadir Kodem. Birchas Anenin is just Birchas Anenin. This is like, presumably, when you say in here, it's referring to the Bari Priha Gafen of a Kiddish, perhaps. Which is why I specific, which is why I said maybe the idea is that it's Shabbos and Yantiv as opposed to just the unique day, be it Shabbos or Yantiv. Okay. Um, fine. So, yeah, so, so the truth of the matter is, like, right, any one of these, any one of these reasons can, can actually outdo the other one. In other words, that's true, but again, if you take the reasoning of Beit Shammai, is only when they're simultaneous, and you have to figure out which ones to do first, but certainly Beit Shammai would argue that if the Chiyuv of the Kiddush Yom came first, so then it came first, they're not really simultaneous after all, and therefore you would have to make the Berchas Yom first, Regardless, because it's not a really uh, an even playing field. One of the chiyuvim came first, and in that case, you also don't apply this uh, usual rule of tadir v'sheno tadir tadir kodem, because that rule only applies when you have two simultaneous chiyuvim, and you have to decide which one to do first. Bichamid argues that it's not uh, simultaneous. Okay, the Gemara interestingly asks here, my davar acher. Which is, another, the question here is, why does Beis Hillel need to give two reasons? In other words, Beis Hillel, we baskin like him anyway, and he's saying that it's a Yain Gorm Lekiddush, so why does he need to have to bring a second reason? So the Gemara answers, um, So he says like this, maybe this is what Beis Hillel was intending to say. The reason why he gave a second reason, he didn't really feel that it was absolutely necessary. But he didn't want somebody to come along and say, well, Bechamai gave two reasons, Tarti, and you only gave one reason. So for that reason, Beit Hillel therefore said, Hachanami Tarti Ninu, I also have two reasons. Tadir V'she'eno Tadir, Tadir Kodim. The second one being, Tadir V'she'eno Tadir, Tadir Kodim. It's interesting that, um, again, it's interesting to we, we, the way we explained it, the first reason of, uh, Beishila and Beishame really match up, right? In other words, they go directly against each other. 
Beit Shammai says that it's the that without the yain, right? Uh, that without the yom, you wouldn't bring the yain. Beit Shammai says that without the yain, you wouldn't be able to make kiddush. Those two cancel each other out, as we discussed. The second one are, the, are those also in some ways similar, right? Because if you think that you need to have the kiddush, and the kiddush came sort of uh, first, so then, so then maybe it's again, as we said before, it undermines the idea of tadir v'sheino tadir. Tadir Kodem. And so really, both reasons are, are necessary um, because they're both, again, they're conceptually, um, they're conceptually different here. This is where Simon Wolf says, what is the reason? He tries to dig a little deeper, and I believe it's the Nitziv that he quoted, if I remember correctly. He says the Beit Shammai is always the, uh, thinking more in terms of the uh, underpinnings uh, hashkafically of what's going on. This is, uh, I wouldn't, dare talk like this, but like only because, you know, who are we to psychoanalyze, so to speak, Bicham and Basil. But if you want to have sort of a deeper appreciation of an understanding of what's going on, the way it's painted by the way Simon Wolf explained it is that Basil is a pragmatist. So as a pragmatist, he's saying, well, right, you have, he's, he's Chaim Schechter, right? You're setting up the tables, you're making sure that everything is set. You have your yain, so you make the bracha on the yain first. And then afterwards, and tadir v'sheino tadir, tadir kodem, that's the organization of things. As opposed to, right, Beit Shammai is more talking about the philosophy behind it and the whole premise of the yain isn't really the yain itself. The yain would be nothing were it not for the fact that you're being makadish the yom, and therefore that is the emphasis of Beit Shammai. So I ain't sham. It's just a, trying to give some depth as to what could be the nakuda samachlokas here between Beit Shammai and Beit Silo. Be that as it may, the Gemara continues to say, V'halacha kadivre Beit Silo. In fact, as we know, the halacha is always like, uh, almost always like, like Beit Silo. That's what the Brisa says, to which the Gemara asks, Pshita, the Hanafic Baskol. Of course, the halacha like Beis Hillel. We've been through this before. There was a Baskol already that came out in Masechus Erevin. We've learned that. And the Baskol says the halacha is always like Beis Hillel. So why does the Brisa have to endorse Beis Hillel here uh, on top of the fact, uh, it, it, you know, to go out of its way to endorse him? So the Gemara is going to say two possible reasons. Number one, Ibai Seima Kodem Basko could be that even though we already learned Erevin, that that, in terms of time, happened after this Machlokas. The Ibai Seima Laachar Basko, Verebi Yeshua, Yedamar Ein Mashkichin Bevaskol. Or, it's true that the Basko had already come out and said, Halachas like Beis Hillel, but we hold like Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua says, we disregard that Basko, right? According to Rabbi Yeshua, Every time we paskin like Basil, it's not at all because of the Basco. Every time we paskin like Basil, it's only because we've decided that they're the rove, or whatever reason we would have to decide that we paskin like Basil. Every time we support, we support them because they're the rabbim. Um, the Tosos here has an interesting analysis of when we would and when we would not hold by the Basco. In other words, the Basco did come up. Right over there, base Hillel, but there was also the original Baskol when we were talking about an error with Rabbi Eliezer, right? And in that Baskol, we never had a Hava Amina that we hold, right? In other words, our Gemara has a Hava Amina. It says, if you want to say, it's because the Baskol says. And if you want, we hold like Rabbi Yeshua. Well, why would we possibly listen to the Baskol when it came to the base Sham and base Hillel? So the, so the Tosos basically says that the Baskol of Rabbi Eliezer, 
in, in Erevin was different than the Baskol Beisham Beisil. Now, keep track, there was two Baskols. If you're, for those of you keeping score, right? There was one by Rebbe Eliezer against all the Chachavim. It had to do with the Tanur and the Tumah by the Tanur, as Kalman will explain to you. But in that particular case, right, Rebbe Eliezer was a Yachid and he was against the Chachamim. So the Baskol there, explains Tosfos, was out of deference to Rebbe Eliezer so that he does not get embarrassed and out of deference to his Chashivas. With Basil Beit so that Baskol sounded like a more serious, like Psak kind of Baskol. Because after all, Basil was, after all, the Rabin. So it was almost like, um, we have shot, uh, not, not to get too involved, but, it, but when you talk about like Halacha Lemoshe Misinai, Mechadeshes versus Mefereshes, Rabbi Yonason Sachs, Shlita from Pesek always talks about, uh, talks about this. I think it's sort of Tzvi Pesach Frank that he quotes, that, um, that the idea is that, yeah, right, he's an Einikol. So, um, what do I mean? Sometimes you have a halacha l'moshim Sinai and it comes out of nowhere. Like we said, like, like, like we alluded to, maybe it's halacha l'moshim Sinai with the shadim and the zugos, like, and, and that's, that is mechadeshes. It's called mechadeshes. It's like you learn something newfangled you never would have known otherwise. So that's the baskol, so to speak, of like Rabbi Yezer, right? But sometimes it's mefareshes, meaning sometimes the baskol is just trying to give you a helping hand for something you should have figured out on your own. It's mefareshes, like when you have a lachal and Moshe Misina, I t- tell you, uh, let's say, how tefillin are supposed to be. So the, the chiv of tefillin, right, is mido oraisa, certainly. But how to construct the batim and all of this is just to show you exactly how it's, how to apply what we already know to be a chi of daraisa. So here, it's just sort of like a guidance. This is a more serious basketball, the one based on Basilel. It's a more serious guidance of, you know, they're the rabbim, you should follow them. But it's not really like coming out of nowhere saying, follow him because God said so. It's just, it's just sort of like helping you nudging along guidelines you should have known already. And that, again, is all to explain, as Tosos does, the Hava Amina, that this was a Baskol that we should listen to, uh, with regards to Beis Shammai following Beis, following Beis Hillel, um, uh, uh, over Beis Shammai. Be that as it may, that is in fact the Halacha, and therefore, be, but that Baskol had not yet come out, according to the first explanation, and therefore we needed the Bryce to point out that in that case we followed like Beis Hillel. Okay. Now going on to Karpas. Okay, we said Kiddush, and now we're going to do Karpas. Now, we'll read the Mishnah. It's very difficult to read even the Mishnah without getting into, so that the kids should ask, us being the kids. Because, after all, you will see, every, everything at the end of the day, this is supposed to be an unusual Seuda structure, right? Just so that the kids should ask. Now, if you may ask... If the kids ask, what do I answer? So there is a circular thing here where we say, when the kids ask us, the answer is so that the kids should ask. That could be very frustrating for a kid because he really wants to know. If he's sincerely asking, he or she is sincerely asking, so that the kids should ask is a maddening answer. You understand that, right? Because everybody wants answers, but that's what you have to tell them. You have to tell them it's not always about the answers, that the Leila Muna that the very night of the Seder, where we are establishing our Amuna, our Amuna is not based on because I told you so, and deference to some clergy who told us that this is what we have to believe sight unseen. 
our emuna is based on the fact that just like the Gemara is always asking questions and questions, rigorous intellectual honesty and questions, our emuna is based not on our answers but on our questions. And therefore, questions in and of themselves are the value that inspire our emuna and strengthen our faith on the night of the Seder. And so we inspire questions because inquisitive curiosity is at the foundation of our faith. And so, and, and so just the questions in and of themselves have the greatest value on the Seder night. So how do we engender these questions? So says the Mishnah, So they bring, so this is sort of like a, is that, is that a non sequitur? I don't know exactly what that is, but it, this is sort of hanging in, in mid, uh, a dangling principle. It doesn't say, me. It doesn't say anything. He the fun. If you bring front of him, so you have to explain. What are they bringing? They bringing over after the first cup of wine. They bring him. That's actually he the fun of his machlokas. Rashbam says they bring in front of him the veggies of karpas and the tosvos. Believe it or not, he the fun of nira. Right? Perish Rashbam Yerakos nira. It doesn't say that that's what they bring. So it must be, says, says Tosvos, that they're bringing in front of him the whole table. Okay. It makes no difference, really, as far as I can tell. The, the point is, the Mishnah says, And we're going to start, whether it's the table or the karpas, we're going to start with the karpas. Fine. So they brought him over. Okay. This is the first dipping. Now, chazeres here really means like lettuce, means like the marr, the lettuce that you use, the vegetable that you use for, for the marr. Right? Garanowitz comes, he comes for Karpas. T-Mobile is my rebel. I know, no, I had a T-Mobile issue last week, so it's okay. Yeah. So again, this is an interesting language to say. You dip the marr until you get to Parparas Hapas. Now, Parparas Hapas technically means that which comes with matzah. Now, the Pasuk says, al matzah So, based off of that, we say that al the mar is that which comes with the matzah, and therefore this Mishnah, in saying, is referencing the mar. So, when you read the line straight in the Mishnah, it basically means you dip the mar until you get to the marar again, basically, is basically what it's saying, right? But, and the Gemara is going to ask, why is the Mishnah using marar specifically for karpas, right? So we're going to get to it. In other words, karpas is supposed to be just adama. And marar has to dafka be marar, as we will see. Marar is more specific. It has to be bitter. But here, in our Mishnah, the case is that you use the same romaine lettuce they use for mar for karpas. Okay? Let's just keep that in mind because the Gemara will address why that is in our Mishnah. But be that as it may, you're having karpas as we're used to. And Garanowitz are in the Mishnah, the bottom kufi of Dalit and Aleph. And so that's what they bring. So now we're going to go over the Seder of the Seder. We start with the karpas. And then, heviu lefan of matzah vechazeres. There it is again. So that time it's the marar, the charoses ushnei tafshilin. And you also bring the charoses, right? Now, wait a minute. We already said heviu lefanov. So the, and then we dipped. And now we're saying heviu lefanov again. What happened? Says Tosos, they took it away. They took the table away. So now you have to bring it back. 
Why? Says Tosfos, that the kids should ask. Okay? So we're doing all of this that the kids should ask. Right? Uh, let's see, Tosfos. If you have of matzah, by the way, on all of these Arve Psachim, you have... <coughs> I'm not reading the Tosfos on Arve Psachim more regularly because I'm, I've become starker, although I hope that I have. But you can't get, that's where the, the, a lot of these halachas come from. We hold like Rabbi Nutam and so many of these Tosfosin. So to get the halacha lemaisa, you got all the Tosfosin over here. Anyway, if you fun of matzah, says Tosfos, right? We're really preparing for Pesach. We're taking this for granted. Like we've gotten so used to it. Like to us, Tafiyomi is like Mishnah Bura. Like we have Achag. Anyway, if you should acquire our shulchan, the name. No, I'm just saying that our gemaras have been so incredibly relevant that it's it's been beautiful to 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 experience. Anyway, it's if you exactly it, we're going. I'm going to identify. It is a Muslim moment. It's showing that Hashem is encouraging us, right, Goranot? Yeah, no, this is this is what we learned for. Exactly. So he says like this: Have you lefanov? So he says like this: Right, Okay, and then the What does the father answer? The son asks, "Wait a minute. Why did we do the first tevila?" He says, "Wait, wait till you see. You didn't even see the second one yet." And then he's going to ask a form of manishtana, right? He says, wait, wait a minute. Why are we dipping twice? Aha. And then again, we're going to bring him in. Lechem oni, she'onim alav dvarim harbe. The answer, ultimately, after you answer, so the kids should ask a bunch of times, that gets their inquisit- inquisitive nature going. And then finally, the answer is going to be avadim ha'inu and explaining why we are the way we are. Okay. So be that as it may, the Mishnah says, Now the second time it's Maror. Maror, as we will see, the, was considered to have like a kappa, a poisonous aspect to it, and therefore the charosis was considered an antidote. So why don't you have the charosis on the first part? So that in itself, the Mepharshim explained that yes, in fact, if you use, that's a machlokis. If you really believe that it's poison, you need an antidote, you're going to need your charosis for the karpas, if you're using Maror for karpas. Otherwise, you don't need it. Okay, it's a question whether the whether the mitzvah of charos is the other aspect of charoses, right? Uh, as Tosva says, um, in other words, we have the idea that that's that's the last Tosvos over here that you have the charoses. There is an aspect to the charoses also, in addition to the fact that it's an antidote to the poison. It also happens to be zechilatit, right? Because the mortar of the bricks. Of in Mitzrayim was the consistency of charoset, so it is consistent, um, pun not intended, with the consistency of the charoset, and therefore with the theme of Mara itself, the bitterness of the slavery and the mixing of the mortar. It's very consistent with that, and therefore it has an extra symbolism aside from right uh, reducing the the uh, supposed poison of the of the Mara. Be that as it may, certainly the second time you bring it with charoset, ushnei tafshilim. And you have to have shnei tafshilin. Okay, the shnei tafshilin we're going to see just makes it a meal, right? That's what makes it a meal. We have shnei tafshilin also when we give each other shalach manas. Um, but that has also picked up a symbolism, right? Because the shnei tafshilin, historically, we have used these roa and the egg for the chagiga. We'll get to that in the Gemara as well. Fine. It says, 
concludes the Mishnah, even though the charoses is not a mitzvah, they bring charoses here with the Mara. Okay, so fine. The Gemara is going to ask, why are, do you have to bring it if it's not a mitzvah? So that's what we already discussed. Two reasons. Number one might be because to get rid of the poison. And number two, because it has a consistent theme with Mar as it is Zechelotid. But we will see that. Now, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Tzadokaymer, Mitzvah. That's where we get into the idea. The Machlok is whether Charosis is a Mitzvah or not. And, Uve Mikdash, Hayumavin, the fun of Gufer Shel Pesach. Okay. So, that is, that is the idea that the Mikdash they used to bring in the Korban Pesach itself. And there is great elements of Zechel Mikdash in everything that we do at the Pesach Seder. That, in fact, is the theme of the Nitziv. If you look at the Haggadah of the Nitziv, everything is Zechel Mikdash. Obviously, the theme there being we were Nigal from Mitzrayim. And we look forward to the final geula. May we experiencing experience it bekarov, uh, amen. But that that is certainly one of the themes of the Pesach Seder. So as we turn the page, so the carbon Pesach was cold by the Are you saying how did they keep the carbon Pesach um, nice and nice and roasted, nice and toasty and hot? Make the sh- Wait, why why do you think it? Why would you? Oh, right, saying it was was the was the was the yeah, blech. Started out in the well, why would it be different than it is today? Well, why would it be different than today as far as how hot the Korban Pesach is? You're saying because they roasted it already and they didn't have any warmers? I guess they, they kept it warm, right? That's a good question. Where the, um, I mean, they had a fire. They put it on the fire. They left it on the fire. They put it on the fire. The fire, they kept it on. They kept it rotating on the, on the gyro, right? Yeah, Presumably. What do you say? They just said they're bringing it to the table. Right, so now they brought it to the table from the gyro. Right, but you haven't done Avadim uh, Ayinu yet. Oh, that's what he's saying. Wow. Andrew, Andrew on the ball. Andrew becoming a Wolanda. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew's question is, I didn't understand the first time. Andrew's question is, aren't you pr- bringing in the Korban Pesach prematurely? What? He was the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew's asking... Aren't you bringing the carbon Pesach prematurely? You haven't even said Avadim Ainu. And Andrew says Avadim Ainu for like three hours. Wow. And so by the time, why are you bringing the carbon Pesach now? That's a good question. I think the answer is, I think the answer is that, the, that as it says in the Haggadah, that this is when they would say, that's a good question. Bismana Mikdash, I didn't think to look into this. Bismana Mikdash, they would eat the carbon Pesach and what? They would probably say the Seepers of Shrim like with the Korban Pesach, maybe they didn't wait for Shulchan Aruch. Maybe Shulchan Aruch is... Well, they also were pointing at Korban Pesach. Right, because they were pointing... They, the, they didn't have a shank bone sitting there. Right, they didn't have a shank bone. So the shank bone, wow. we think that's great because it's Zechel Korban Pesach. But really, we're, we would have been eating already if it weren't, if it were Korban Pesach. Well, what's Andrew's question again? Andrew's question is, look, sounds like they're bringing the Korban Pesach before Magid. And therefore, by the time they get to the Korban Pesach, it's going to be cold. That was the question. I misunderstood it initially. And, he, and, and as Andrew points out, cold shawarma is not kashmak. However, shawarma. You ever have a gyro? But the point is okay, that um, maybe that... It, I, I have to believe that they probably ate the Korban Pesach right away and, to, and said magid while they were eating the Korban Pesach. So I have to check. If I'm a vegetarian, how Uh-oh. much meat do I have to eat? That's a good question. Kazais, right? No, more than a kazais. 
Monica's eyes? Yeah, we're, we're going to get to it, don't worry. But uh, how much of the Korban Pesach do you have to eat? We said that you have the mash, that you, you participate in the Chabura, but enough for everybody to have a Kazais. Didn't we say that? That normally when you have a Chiv Achil, it's a Kazais. Um, so, so we have to have, um, I think that the, the Chiv is a Kazais of the Korban Pesach, just like anything else. Yeah, that's what we said in the Mishnah. We, we learned uh, uh, everything up until now has been carbon Pesach. So I think that that's, that's what we said. Okay. The what? You just need one hungry guy. Yeah, right. And then one hungry guy can ruin the whole thing. But you need the hungry guy to avoid nicer, as we said, right? Okay, you need the one hungry guy, but you don't let him eat first. That's they what we said. They have a lot of food after the... After, after yeah, so they were eating a lot of other things. That's a very good question. That's a very good point. They were eating a lot of other things, but now we're going to get to Karpas itself, because that's the theme of our Mishnah. My friend, my friend, that's right. Andrew, Andrew's on the ball. My friend David Palmer, Shlita, Rabbi Palmer wrote an article for this year's Why You to Go. So it hasn't come out yet, but you'll see. Karpas, so the kids should ask, is the theme of his article. And so we spoke to him last night about Karpas and what's going on. I'll tell you his theory first, and then we'll read the Gemara on Kufiyadal and Mbez. His theory is that Karpas was always intended to be the salad me- portion of the meal. And so we brought, we bring the salad early before Hamotzi so that the kids should ask. That's his basic thesis. The Rambam, incidentally, clearly says that you eat your fill of the salad, right? That you eat a full salad. You don't have this less than Kazayas business. The only reason we eat less than Kazayas, now listen carefully, our Gemara doesn't talk about eating less than a Kazayas. That is our like, application of the fact that we don't know. Is the Gemara eating a full salad? Well, either way, the Gemara, they were eating a full salad. We just don't know the halacha based off of the fact that we're eating more later. We do not know whether we have to make a bracha achrona on the salad. Okay? Because we don't know. We have a suffix. You know, so the Gemara is obvious. Either that you do have to make a bracha achrona because you're having a full salad, or despite the fact that you're having a full salad, you don't have to make a bracha achrona because you're about to have the mara and you can have it in mind for later. When you have a salad, could be like a Caesar salad with everything in Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good question. So, Mark, well, you're dipping it. So, Caesar salad is perfect. You have your Caesar and you have your dip. But the question is, right, so, so that you're bringing up a good point, Garano, what you're saying, that this, was, this is probably sounds like it's a real salad. It's a vegetable with dressing. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like a salad, and we'll see. Some use vinegar, some use salt water, but yeah, there's other uh, balsamic. I mean, there's other yeah, dressing you can use. You love that. Right. But it's not as good as Andrew's question. Not, no. Not no. He, he upped the standard for a question. Yeah, your questions are starting to look ridiculous next to Andrew's questions now. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's start with Gamar, you cook your dollar on base. But I thought it was important to bring that out because everybody knows the hawk. It's such, it's, it's all alumnus about whether you need, you could have a kazais. And everybody's hungry. Everybody wants to have more than a kazais of a potato, obviously. But the question is, the reason why we have a kazais is not because that was always the halacha lechatchila. They always ate, we'll see, male kreso. They always ate a full salad. It's just that we have a suffix whether to make a bracha achrona. And we don't know how to handle it, so we eat less than the kazais. Right, let's see the gemara inside. Amrish Lakish. Let's talk about the Mishnah here. Zot Omeret. Okay, you eat the lettuce twice. So, Zotomer, Mitzvah Sirchos Kavanah. Reshlakis is coming 
He's coming in hot like Andrew. And he's saying this is a fundamental lesson that you learned from our Mishnah. That mitzvah s'yuchas kavana. Why? Because kevon de lo be'idon chiyuva demaru Since, right, at, since, again, the Mishnah had a specific case where we use the same Romaine lettuce that we used for Mara twice. We used it for Karpas and then for Mara. Aha! So Rishalka says, look at this. You already ate Mara and still, right, you already ate Mara and you weren't obviously Yotze because you're bringing it again and you're making a, a bracha on the Mara. Look at this. Since it, when you're eating the Karpas, right, but you're eating Mara at the Karpas stage, Right, that's at the karpa stage where you're only making the bar piyadama. As all the mafarshim explains, you certainly were not mechaving tomorrow at that time because it's not mar yet; it's karpas, right? So, but really, it's like borrowed from the idea of maybe you didn't have kavana. The point is, you did not have kavana for mar. Therefore, you have to do again the shame marar. A second dipping, the Because after all, at Karpas, the way the Mishnah is structured, you've used your Mara already. So if mitzvahs don't require Kavana, then you've already, right, relieved yourself of the responsibility of eating Mara. You've already had that. Ah, zimna. So if it were true that mitzvahs did not require Kavana, then why would you dip twice? You already dipped Mara the first time. To which the Gemara asks, says, Mimai, what do you mean, why would you do it twice? Dil mela ola mitzvah sein tzvichas kavana. That has nothing to do with mitzvah kavana. You're going to ask me, why are we doing it twice? Are you kidding? You never heard of so the kids should ask? In other words, you don't need to say that the reason why we're doing it a second time is because the first time didn't count because we didn't have kavana. Even if we had Kavana the first time for, so that's the real Shaila we're going to see. What, what would be the case if you did have Kavana? You used Mara and you had Kavana for Mara the first time. Would we also say the first time? The, the idea that the Gemara is saying here is that regardless, you'd be doing it a second time. And you have to do it twice and you have to dip twice so that the kids should ask. The relation of the Gemara of so that the kids should ask is, they should recognize that something's up. Okay, So if you're going to say, okay, so then why are you confusing the issue? Why is the Mishnah confusing us by using marar twice? You should just use a regular Caesar salad in, for karpas. So says the Gemara. If, if the Mishnah would have itself pulled the Garanowitz and said, let's have Caesar salad for karpas, then you would have thought that the only time you do dip twice is when you have Caesar salad for the karpas. of chazeres, says the Gemara, but if you, instead of Caesar salad, you had a marah for the first course, then maybe you would have thought that you don't have to do it twice. So the Mishnah is bedafka, using marah the first time for karpas to illustrate that even when you use marah the first time, you still have to eat it again a second time. So that the kids should ask, Kamash Malan says the Gemara that even if you use Mara the first time, you have to use Mara again the second time. So that the kids should ask. Furthermore, we have a 
So this is Reish Lakish's idea of Mitzvah Sichah Zavana. The Gemara says, Oh, Tanya, we have actual Brisa against Reish Lakish. Because the Brisa says, Achon de Mai Yatza. So if you don't have children, how you use this book? Oh, wow, that's a good question. How does... How do, Andrew inspired me. What am I going to do? Yeah, now you're on fire from Andrew. The question is, how do you do a Pesach Seder um, in, if it's Corona and you're by yourself, etc., um, as many people did uh, last, last year? Um, my son's Rebbe in Eresrael, Rav Kalman, said, last year his wife asked him to manish Tana. Um, some people, many people... Uh, my mother-in-law had this Pesach Seder by herself at the time. Many, many people had Pesach Seder by themselves last year. And so therefore you have to ask yourself. Sometimes if you ask, asking yourself the questions is, is, is as important as uh, asking someone else. Because the whole idea is to ask the questions. But it's, it, it goes without saying that it's better to be in a Chabura for the Korban Pesach and to have that, that uh, com- communal experience as well. Okay, but Od Tanya... If he ate them while they were demai, this is an idea that we already had, that the matzah could be eaten in a state of demai because you can make yourself into an ani. We talked about this, that demai is questionable, right, whether meister was taken off. But for, for if you did eat such a thing, you are, in fact, anim are allowed to. And if you eat it, you're still yotze. So we said that when, so you you're, fulfill your chiyuv, even if you eat it demai, that's one Thing that you fulfill, and then explicitly against Veishlakish, the Brisa continues to say Achlan that even if you eat, let's say Maror, without Kavanar, you're Yotze. Achlan and he says even if you eat it without a full. Now in this case, Chatzayin means you don't eat a full Kazayis like in one shot, but you break it up a little bit, but you can't break it up that much. As the Brisa continues to say, So that's why we're always rushing to stuff in the matzah, to stuff in the mara. Sometimes it's easier than others. And the reason why we have to do it is because we have to have this kezais, bichadeachilas pras, the amount of time it takes to eat a pras, right? That in itself is, is, a, is a pras really means a, a piece. But basically, right, uh, the amount of time it would normally take to eat a lot more, like three or four mm-hmm. or six uh, kibetzas, at least you have a little bit longer time to use this kazais, but within that time period, you certainly have to finish the kazais, but be that as it may, you can eat it in chatzayin. Okay, so those were challenges to Rishlakish. It sounds like achlan below miskaven, it sounds like mitzvah slot tzrichos kavana. The Gemara says, tanaihi. Okay, well, whether mitzvah tzrichos kavana or not um, is not necessarily something that we learn out of our Mishnah, but it doesn't mean that Rishlakish is wrong when he says mitzvah sirchas kavana, well, the brisa makes it sound like that he certainly is wrong because the brisa says that if you eat mar below miskavin, you're yotze. So that should knock out the entire notion of mitzvah sirchas kavana. But the gemara says that it does not because that happens to be a machlokas tanaim on that issue. The tanya because we learned in the brisa that Rabbi Yosi Yomer afa bisha tiva b'chazeres mitzvah l'havi l'fanu chazeres v'chavrosa shnei tashvili that even though he already did right the dipping of the Karpas, as we did in the mission, in the first case, for Karpas, he still has to bring the Chazeres and the Charosas a second time. And so then the Gemara says, Ve'akati. But it still seems to be a challenge. Mimai. Even in light of that Brisa that says, Afapi. Right? Afapi. Uh, right? Uh, makes it sound like, right, Mitzvahs, uh, Rabbi Yossi holds that Mitzvahs Tzrichas uh, Kavana, but that is simply Rabbi Yossi, but the other Tanaim would disagree with him. So he says, no, but still, even like Mimai, 
Why do we say that different Tana would say that Mitzvah Sichas Kavana? Dilma Kasar Rabbi Mitzvah ain't Sichas Kavana. It could be that Rabbi Yossi isn't a Das Yachid. In other words, Rabbi Yossi, even here, just like we asked on the Mishnah, even here in the Brisa, when it sounds like Rabbi Yossi is a Das Yachid that holds it Mitzvah Sichas Kavana, that's not necessarily because of Mitzvah Sichas Kavana that Rabbi Yossi says it. It could be that he holds mitzvahs ain't siyachas kavana v'hai the ba'inan trei tibulei just like we answered by the Gemara. Here we say the reason why you need to dip twice is kehechet to have a tera hekeralatinokos is in order so that the kids should ask. Fine. So now we have actually have um, successfully deflected. Uh, we have uh, defended Reish Lakish, right? And so it could be mitzvahs siyachas. Kavana. So he says, so, because why? Because it's imkain, my mitzvah. Why does it say that it's a mitzvah? That is the answer that, it, that when, if, if in fact was not a mitzvah, if it was already a mitzvah the first time, so then it wouldn't be a mitzvah the second time. The fact that it's a mitzvah the second time, it uses the lashon, the actual words mitzvah, makes it sound like, in fact, mitzvahs, right, that the mitzvah the first time would require kavana. Okay. So now the Gemara asks about the 16 lines up about the two tafshilin. Ma'ishnei tafshilin, amaravuna silkevar rosa. You can even have cooked beets and rice. Now rice obviously is, uh, is, a, is a little bit of a shaila over here. Um, to which the Gemara says, Rava ava mihadar silkevar rosa, ravuna. Since Ravuna said that you could even have cooked beets and rice, Rava wanted to follow the exact prescription of Ravuna and he dafka had cooked beets and rice. Why beets and rice? Why not beans and rice? Right, why did he say beets? Why say beets? Okay, uh, so that's a good question. I, I don't know. Uh, but his point was that it was something that maybe he ate that a lot. He liked borscht. Um, but, but be that as it may, he had a lot of silka around at the time. But he had beets and rice. And so that's why Rav had it as well. Amar Ravashi, Shmami Nadir Ravuna, Lace the Chayish Lader of Yochanan Ben Nuri. See, the fact that he had rice altogether, I'm, I'm surprised, Gorano, so you asked about the beets. I was more surprised by the rice. No, I went to Svarim, the rice. Oh, oh. So I ate rice also. Uh, right, well, the Tanya, Rabbi Yochanan Ben Nuri, Amar Ariz Min Dagan, who, right? Rabbi Yochanan Ben Nuri thinks it's a Min Dagan, Vachayavan Achimutso Kares, the Adam Yotze by Dechavasa Bepesach, which would mean that if he used rice, rice is like flour. Now, it's not really Chameshes Minei Dagon, but it's like Chameshes Minei Dagon. The fact that Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri holds that it's like Chameshes Minei Dagon, that's why we certainly would not eat rice. If we held like Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri, we would not eat rice um, on, on Pesach because we'd be uh, concerned lest it become Chameshes. Finally, nine lines up. The Sephardim eat a lot of kidneys because they don't hold of this chumrah, and you're right, it's everywhere. You have to be very careful. What do you like kidneys you you No, no, vegetables are okay, but you have to be concerned. You have to look at all the packaging because a lot of them say la'ochle kidneys bilvad. Rabbi Pinchas Gross Shlita told me that they had something in Market Maven. They had something uh, one year for Pesach, and it said la'ochle kidneys bilvad in like small letters. And he said to them, you know, I'm not sure everybody in Baltimore is as savvy to look out for this thing as they are in Israel, and they have to take it off the shelves. I can repeat that from you. Yeah. Chizki Amar, nine lines up. What are these shnei tafshilin? So we said, this is just so that it's a meal. So even if you have, what, the fish with the, with the egg on top, and Rav Yosef Amar, tzarech shnei minei basar. Rav Yosef insists on two types of meat. Why? Echad zecher le'pesach, ve'echad zecher le'chagiga. 
Even a bone and its broth is considered two cooked dishes. Now we typically have the shank bone and the egg. Well, those are two cooked dishes. One is the Pesach, one is the Chagiga. And it's really just all of a symbolism. The Chagiga is a loose reference because there's a, the Atbash connects the first layer of Pesach to Tishabav. It's, it's the times when Pesach and Tishabav can fall out. Um, and therefore, not not at Bash. The, um, the 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 days of the days when when Pesach and um, and uh, and uh, and Tishabav could fall out. It's the first night of Pesach is always on Tishabav, and therefore Tishabav is loosely connected to Pesach. And since the egg is loosely connected as a remnant of Tishabav that we have in the Sudam of Saket, that's why we also do it at the Pesach Seder as well. Uh, we'll get to the concept of the Hefseik and the Chok Yaakov and the Mitzvah Cheres with the Baruch HaRishon and Baruch HaKorona that we indicated earlier with the salad, I think, tomorrow. So we are in the word Pshita, which is six lines up from the bottom of Kif Yadalit Amad Beis. We'll pick up there tomorrow. Andrew, give me your